everybody. Welcome to the export. I'm Raven X, and alongside me, as always, is Biggie, aka Ethan Tay, aka somebody who I know we're not totally focusing on week nine yet, but we did get to see the second start of Will Levis. How are you feeling about the second over second round pick? Uh, I think it's some promise. I definitely like me and you were texting about the game as it was going on because we both were watching it. Um, I definitely think. He kind of locks in on DeAndre Hopkins, which, like you stated, is not a bad thing to do. Um, as the game progressed, I saw he started to, like, make multiple reads and get the ball to multiple guys, which I thought was good. Um, for his second start, going up against T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith and Cam Hayward, I thought he did as good a job as any outside of – because, I mean, he literally – was a play away from winning the game. And Corn Alexander just made a great interception to end the game. So I thought he did good. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we hear so much about how tough it is for rookies to play against the Steelers. And like you said, I mean, he played as well as about any rookie could have hoped for. Um, obviously, they didn't win. But I think that if you're the Titans, I think I'm getting more and more comfortable with the prospect of him being the starter. Obviously, there's two more months of games to go. But for right now, I think it's pretty safe to say that he's proven that he can perform under the bright light. So it'll be fun to see the how he performs the rest of the way and how it affects the team going into free agency. But uh, we have crown jewel predictions, or at least Ethan's crown jewels predictions, mine and embryos, a.k.a. Chris Waters. We did ours on a separate pod. We get really in-depth with it, get into, I don't even know if I call it a debate, but a conversation about why I think that Randy Orton is more of a GOAT than John Cena, all that jazz. And again, if you John Cena fans, if y'all want to come for me, that's cool too. Uh, with regards to the NFL, we are going to grade the trades that took place this past Tuesday ahead of the uh, NFL trade deadline. And then with the NBA, we are going to look at the James Harden to the Clippers trade, whether or not this helps to tie the Clippers title hopes and what's next for the 76ers. But before we get to any of that, please share check out the export.net. I repeat the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Precepts to our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. So we're going to switch the order of the show around a bit differently. We're going to do our crown jewel predictions first. So Ethan, start things off with uh, the kickoff show match. Sami Zayn versus the Judgment Days. JD McDonough, who you got? Sami. Yep, that makes – I also said Sammy, Embryo said JD, and that might be the match that wins me this card. All right, next up we have John Cena versus Solo Sokoa. Obviously, I want Solo to win, but I think John wins. Oh, uh, I think I think Solo's going to win. I hope you're right. I really, really do. Um. All right, next up we have Cody Rhodes versus Damian Priest. Embryo and I both pick Cody. The only reason I feel like it's hard for for the judgment day matches because they're all going to interfere. Uh, I'm gonna still, I think I'm gonna still go Cody because they're trying to beat him up to face Roman. Yeah, and I think I'll say it like this: I think that while other members of the judgment day are going to interfere, I also could see uh, what's it called, Jay Uso interfering. I could see. Possibly even um, Kevin Owens coming in or Sammy coming in to offset the uh, Judgment Day. All right, next up we have the 
United States Championship match between Rey Mysterio and Logan Paul. Embryo and I both pick Rey Mysterio. I'm picking Logan Paul. Dang. I, I, now, for this one, I hope you are wrong. All right, next up, we have the WWE Women's Championship match where we have EO Sky going up against the EST of WWE, Bianca Belair. As much as everybody named Mama know, I love me some Bianca Belair. Embryo and I both think that EO is going to win. I agree. All right, next up, we have the Fatal Five Way for the Women's World Heavyweight Championship. Mommy, a.k.a. Rhea Ripley, is defending her title against Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Zoe Stark, and Raquel Rodriguez. However, Embryo and I, I still believe that Mommy will continue to run Monday nights and retains. Uh, before I give my prediction, funny little side note, Aiden calls Rhea Ripley my wrestling side chick because she knows about my crush on her. Now, I to play devil's advocate, Rhea or Tony Storm? Tony has the little weird like English chick gimmick like she's still incredibly attractive don't get me wrong but like I've always had like this weird spot for like goth slash like heavy metal chicks so I'm gonna go with Rhea well just so you know uh, you might have to fight Aisha about that cause she's still that's still that's still her woman but E for effort um next oh wait are you who are you picking Rhea I'm picking legitimately shocked she lost this match all right world heavyweight championship seth rollins versus drew mcintyre i want drew to win so badly but it's another case of i think him losing goes towards him finally turning heel and that hopefully leading to a championship run so i gotta go seth yeah i'm in agreement i think seth gonna win too all right, last match of the card, undisputed WWE Universal Championship match with the Tribal Chief, a.k.a. Roman Reigns, defending his title against L.A. Knight. Embryo and I both pick Roman. Yeah, I mean, it's probably like the easiest pick of the whole card. 100%. And low-key, I don't know if you watched SmackDown from last week, but the disrespect that he showed Roman, if I was Roman, I'd try to squash him, but I know that's not going to happen. All right, and the tiebreaker. I don't know if we're going to need one, but just in case, who takes the pin and or submission in the Women's World Championship match? We all picked Rhea to win. I think it's going to be Nia Jax who takes the loss. Uh, Embryo said Zoe Stark. What say you? Mm, I'm going to say Zoe Stark as well. Okay. Zoe's the easy answer. All right, now let's go ahead and turn over to the NFL portion of our show, and we're going to talk our college football player spotlight. And this week, I'm very excited to do it because we're talking about an LSU Tiger wide receiver, Malik Neighbors. He's second in the nation with 981 receiving yards, also has nine receiving touchdowns on 56 catches. While it's clear that Marvin Harrison is the best receiver of this class, Malik Neighbors has absolutely made a case to be at worst, second or third. So what team do you think could use him on their roster uh, going into April's draft? The New York football Giants. You're not wrong, because Lord knows they could use just about anything. Um, for me, I'm going to say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that's obviously with the caveat that they don't bring back Mike Evans. Um, right now, 
Baker Mayfield has been playing fine, and I don't know if they're going to be picking high enough to be able to draft a guy like a Drake May or um, Caleb Williams. Maybe you could take somebody in the middle of the round, but I think best bet is to just add as many weapons as you can so whoever comes in as your quarterback, they're going to have a lot of toys to play with, and I think Malik Neighbors absolutely provides that. Though he's not as big as Mike Evans is, he still has great hands. I mean, he's definitely a burner down the field, very physical at the couch point, and I think that's going to be something that's really going to benefit him at the next level. But all right, let's go ahead and take a look back at week eight, recap some games. Starting off with last Thursday night's game, Buffalo Bills beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 24-18. Uh, Denver Broncos pull off the upset of the week, beating the Kansas City Chiefs 24-9. My Ravens defeated the Arizona Cardinals in the desert 31-24. Uh, Jaguars won, get a controversial 20-10 win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, the Jets win the Battle of New York in overtime 13-10. Uh, Panthers get their first win of the season, beating the Houston Texans 15-13. Miami Dolphins beat the Patriots 31-17. Uh, Tennessee Titans, we can talk about, we'll get to this later, I'm sure. Will Levis in his season debut uh, throws for four touchdowns in their 28-23 win over the Falcons. Uh, Vikings win against the Green Bay Packers. However, they lose starting quarterback Kirk Cousins for the season. We'll get to that later as well. Uh, Dallas Cowboys thump the Los Angeles Rams 43-20. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles win a close win against the Washington Commanders 38-31. Saints defeat the Indianapolis Colts 38-17. Seahawks beat Browns 24-20. Uh, Bengals look like they are back on track with their 31-17 win over the San Francisco 49ers. Chargers beat Bears Sunday night football 30-13, and the Lions get back on track beating the Raiders 26-14. We, you and I, for the first time I think ever, had the same predictions for each game. We both ended up going 12-3, so a nice bounce back from going, I think, 5-8 the week before. But all right, let's look at some injuries starting off in Atlanta. They lose starting defensive tackle Grady Jarrett for the rest of the season with a torn ACL. Uh, Patriots lose leading wide receiver Kendrick Bourne with a torn ACL as well. And then, unfortunately, Kirk Cousins is also done for the year, like we mentioned, uh, with a torn ACL. So let's kind of talk about the Kirk Cousins tip a bit. It, the timing probably could not have been worse. Um, they, they're winners of, I believe, what, the last – Three or four games. Yeah, they won their last three games, four and four, second in the NFC North. Just how big of a blow is it to lose Kirk Cousins? I think it's a big uh, – it's a huge blow because he he was the one constant for Minnesota. Like, you look at the defense, the defense hasn't been that good. Outside of Justin Jefferson on the offensive side, I mean, without – Kirk Cousins, who knows what Jay Jettles will look like. Like, I think he'll still be amazing, but you still need a quarterback that can get you the ball. I think it was a big blow simply because, like, everything else on that team has performed mediocre outside of Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson. And I think now you're going to see, like, even though – he's been labeled as like a guy that can't win a big game or a guy that can't win in prime time. I think you're going to see the value that Kirk Cousins actually holds. Cause it's like, Hey, like even in, I like me and you both watched quarter, the uh, quarterback um, documentary series on Netflix and they followed Kirk Cousins the previous season. And it was like, Oh, 
Like, yes, Kirk Cousin isn't a Patrick Mahomes, but he's a really, really good quarterback, and he made some really, really key plays for them. And I think you're going to see his value increase um, at the end of this season because of his injury. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting just because contract year, he's already in his mid-30s. It was already a lot of questions whether or not he was going to come back anyway just because, who knows, maybe the Vikings want to start over at the position, go younger, go cheaper. But now it causes even more doubt because at least had he been able to get through this season, another team could pick him up, give him some solid money. He could be the short-term option there, maybe to another playoff team or contending team. And now that's totally up in the air, which absolutely sucks. And kind of going back to the win streak that the team has been on, I mean, I got to disagree with you because it hasn't just been Jay Jettis. I mean, TJ Hawkinson is looking like a top four. Actually, no, I would say top three. I think he's been better than George Kittle. A top three tight end this season. Jordan Addison has really turned it on this past month. And so now uh, it's one of those questions like, well, dang, like we've seen this momentum. We've seen the offense or at least the passing game finally look like it's getting on track. Is all of that going to stop now without Kirk Cousins coming in? Like, uh, Jaron Hall, what is he going to do? How many games is he even going to start with Josh Dodds being traded for? It's just so many questions. And I and I really hate it for Kirk because he seems like a genuinely good guy, somebody who loves ball and loves his team. So it'll be interesting to see what comes next for the Vikings. But I think this is a big blow for all parties involved. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to our top five takeaways. Do you have five this week or you want me to run through mine? You can run through yours because it's, it's going to look like for a while I'm going to be footballless on Sundays. Ooh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Okay, I'm going to make it quick. Uh, number five, let's all chill on the four and three Jets. It's nice that they're four and three. I mean, their record right now is much better than a lot of people, myself included, expected it to be following the injury to Aaron Rodgers. But it's still, what, 10 more games for them to play. They still have a lot of tough opponents. Calm down. They beat the freaking Giants. Let's let's chill. Let's not act like they're all of a sudden about to make some playoff run. Not to say their defense isn't great, because it is, but let's chill. Uh, number four, the Vikings need Alexander Madison more than ever. Their run game has not exactly been good at this up to this point in the season, but now without uh, Kirk Cousins in tow, they're going to need Alexander Madison and even Cam Akers to really step up. I mean, again, we don't really know how it's going to be with Jaron Hall as their starter. And so the best thing that you can do for a rookie inexperienced quarterback is to give him a solid run game to help him out. Alexander Madison has shown some flashes, but not enough consistency to show that he really is a RB1. So I think he's going to really have to step up if this offense wants to have success. Uh, speaking of offense, if the Saints offense can maintain this play, they're going to be a problem. This past week against the Indianapolis Colts scored a season high, 38 points, 511 total yards of offense. Carr completed 70% of his passes. Obviously, I don't think that they're going to do this every single game, but at least if we can continue to see those strides and it looks like uh, Derek Carr is having more chemistry with his wide receivers and they can get the run game going, if they can be efficient in the red zone, this Saints offense has a chance to be one of the best in the NFC and hopefully this can kind of spark something for them and get their confidence going throughout the rest of the season 
Uh, number two, no team has gotten more from their rookies than the Lions. I mean, Jameer Gibbs just is coming off of a monster game, had a good game before that. Unfortunately, we really haven't been able to see all that he can do because of Dave Montgomery, who has also been playing well. Uh, Brian Branch looks like one of the best picks of the second round. That another argument could be made for Sam Laporta as another great pick. I mean, just when you look at those high, highly drafted rookies that they brought in, they have been incredibly impactful. And I mean, take those guys off the team. I don't know if we're looking at the Lions being 6-2 and two right now. And then number one, this relates to your Titans. We've seen the last of Ryan Tannehill as their starting quarterback. Like, I kind of was on the fence about this going into last night, the game against the Steelers, because I told you it was going to go one of two ways. Either it's going to be a defensive affair, close game, or Will Levis is going to get bullied by this pass rush and make a lot of mistakes and it's going to get ugly. It wound up being the former. And just seeing the way he was able to handle himself and compose himself, I don't care if Ryan Tannehill today was like, hey, I'm 100%. If I'm Mike Brable, there's no way I'm taking Will Levis out of the lineup. 100%. Like, and, me, and, me, and like I've said this to you several times off air, the ball just looks so much better coming out of Will Levis's hands. Yeah. Like it makes, and the fact that he has the arm strength to make all the throws, it just makes the whole. Even though the offensive line isn't great, but it still makes the offense just flow and like, um, like flow and move better. Because even in that game against Pittsburgh, when they were in their groove, what it, what were they doing? Run game, run game, run game, play action pass. Oh, you you hit trailing breaks on the deep crosser. You didn't really get a chance to capitalize on any of the like deep down the field throws to D Hop because Joey Porter did a great job covering him. But like just having the threat of knowing like oh. We now have a guy back there that can throw the ball like 60 yards on a dime off of play action. Like, this going to soften up a box. And, like, once you get, again, another tidbit of a Titans L is they didn't get Derrick Henry 20, to 20 rushes, which every time he rushes for 20, for 20, has 20 carries, it's basically almost a guaranteed W. But, like, once you get the run game going and you get that play-action pass going, like, it just makes the offense that much better. And even the old line started to look better towards the end of the game because, like, they were able to get some, like, rhythm. And kind of going back to that, I don't know if you remember this play, but I think it was a third and two. And they tried to get cute with it and gave the ball mm-hmm. to Tajay Spears. And I'm like – I was so mad. I was like, you got Derrick Henry. Why, are you, why is Tajay running this play? I, yes, I was like, bro, we and so like, and I, I've not been big on like the Tim Kelly is a bad offensive coordinator, but like I was looking at like some Titans fan pages and stuff, and they were like, see, this is why Tim, this is why we should try to find somebody besides Tim Kelly. I think he's doing a great job with what he has, but to me, it's like when you make those type of decisions, it's hard to not receive flat. Because you have a six foot three, two hundred and at minimum fifty pound running back that's the most dominant physical presence from a running back standpoint in the NFL, and you didn't give him the ball on third and two. In a pit on a pivotal drive. Like they ended up getting the fourth down, but it was still like you didn't even have to do all this. You you could have just ran it with Derrick Henry. Yeah, that was a that was definitely a question mark. But yeah, I'm 
I'm excited to see what the Titans do. Well, one, assuming Will Levis continues to play well, they get him some more weapons. Cause happy Traylon Burks is okay, but yeah, y'all yeah, y'all need more receiver. Y'all need a new receiver. Actually, you need a couple new receivers. Cause I think Chris Moore is a free agent after this year. I think so. And I think Nick Nick Westbrook Akina is one too. Either way, y'all overhaul that wide receiver group, improve. Cause Andre Dillard is not it. Replace him. Uh-uh. Yeah, is that the Titans offense might be able to do a little something, especially if they can bring back uh Derrick Henry. Um, all right, do you have uh most impressive players the last yeah. Okay, bet. Um so, let, go ahead. You can start off nah, with my offense. Bad. My bad. My my most impressive offensively, I'm a, I have to go D Hawks. Like, I know it was a lot of impressive offensive performances, but when you have like, people were writing him off, saying, like, he either doesn't have it, or people were just saying, like, hey, send him to another team. And I was a part of, like, go ahead and just send him to another team. But you see, even in the game against Pittsburgh, when he has, he has some extra juice to him. So I got to go D-Hops. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, Speaking of juice, I got to go Joe Burrow. I talked about last week just how big of a game it was against the 49ers and how they kind of needed this game to really show, hey, we're back. And Joey B showed he was back. 28-32 passes uh, for 283 yards, three passing touchdowns, also rushed for 43 yards. Watching that game, you wouldn't even think that he was suffering from a calf injury. He looks – I was he had a great game the week before. I think this game really shows, hey, I think he might really be at 100%. All right, what about defensive player? Defensive, uh, I got to go. I'm going to go with, uh, shoot. I'm going to go with Jeffrey Simmons. I- I'm going to be honest, it's all Titans players. Because that's the only game I watched, and I was in- I was happy that we won. So I'm going to go with Jeffrey Simmons. Feel that. Uh, I'm going to go with Broncos outside linebacker Baron Browning. I almost said the entire Broncos defense, but I'll go Browning specifically. He missed the first few games with the injury. Just his second game back, or at least seeing significant playing time. Four tackles, two sacks, a forced fumble, two tackles for loss, three quarterback hits. I mean, he was giving Patrick Mahomes the blues. Which, spoiler alert, Patrick Mahomes is my most disappointing player. I don't want to hear, oh, it was cold. Oh, he had the flu. I don't want to hear none of that because, one, he played. And, two, if he would have had a good game, y'all be calling it the NFL flu game. So, I don't want to hear it. I mean, I agree with the Patrick Mahomes take. And, like, it was something that I saw. It was, like, saying, facing the reality that, like, this is the year that Patrick Mahomes shouldn't even be in the MVP conversation. Um, and I actually kind of agree with it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's he's had fine games. I don't think he's had a game where I was like, oh, yeah, this is this nasty. Like, because I'm trying to think. Maybe his best game was last week against the Chargers? A week before against the Chargers? Either way, when he had, like, I think over 300 yards at halftime. That was probably his best game. And you can guess who was getting most of them touches. No disrespect to Travis Kelsey. Kelsey. Exactly. I mean, no disrespect. He's the best tight end in the league. I don't blame you, but, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, And then my rookie of the week, this was very tough. Props to Will Levis. Great game. But if you individually can outgain an entire team, you get the nod. And that goes to the Lions running back Jameer Gibbs. Had 189 scrimmage yards last Monday night with a touchdown. 
And the Raiders offense collectively had 157. Yeah, that is tough. Like, to outgain the entire team as one player is tough. And I love Jameer Gibbs. But I'm going Will Levis because, again, I, when, when I heard that he was starting, I was excited from the standpoint of, like, okay, I just want to see what he can do. I want to see what we have. No offense to Malik Willis, but from what I've seen, he just hasn't shown that he's going to be the guy. Um, I, 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 I question if he's even like an NFL backup to an extent. But Will Levis came in and balled out. Yeah. I mean, it was on, it was only those two. It, you, it had to be one of those two guys. All right, uh, let's go ahead and turn to week nine. Uh, look at some roster moves. And obviously, we're going to talk about the Las Vegas Raiders, who following that loss to the uh, Detroit Lions, wound up firing head coach Josh McDaniels, uh, general manager David Ziegler, and Mike Lombardi, their offensive coordinator, got the boot as well. So... Let's start things off with the first question. Will the Raiders be better off without them? Um, a couple of players have been interviewed regarding the firing. And, I mean, I think Hunter Renfro probably said it best. It was like, we don't have to walk on eggshells anymore. Like, we can actually have fun. Um, so, just what do you think this means for the locker room? Do you think that it's better with Josh McDaniels and Cole gone? 100%. I mean... If you look back to it, um, before he was hired, when it, um, they had the interim head coach, Rich Passaccia, when they lost to – when I, I think they lost to the Chargers to get into the playoffs or either lost in the first playoff game a couple of years ago. Like, the team was having fun. The team loved them. Then you bring in Josh McDaniels, and no offense, he did what he's done at every head coaching stop he's been at. Like – with the Broncos, players hated him. I, um, his other coaching job, players hated him. Even in New England, it's not like they really rock with him that tough. Yeah. Like, so it's one of those things to where it's like, I think, I personally, I think it's obvious that he's not a, he's not a head coach. At best, he's an offensive coordinator. Like, teams should just swallow their bullet and live on it because he hasn't even had success. Anywhere that he's gone, he's been unsuccessful in every team and every organization that he's coached doesn't like him. So, but um, I definitely think that it's better, especially like Antonio Pierce. I remember watching him as a New York Giant, mm -hmm. and like he was he he was a a baller. Like he he was one of those old school thumping linebackers that I loved um, growing up watching football. And even his press conference being like, hey, I'm from Cali. I I used to wear Raiders hats. I used to rock with NWA. Like, that alone is going to let me know how the players are going to, like, love the environment that they're in. Because, again, he's a former player, and I think he's going to be able to connect with the team. And, I mean, D Devontae Adams already said, like, Antonio Pierce already has him ready to run through a wall for him. 
And I think that's what you need. Like, that's one of the benefits of having a former player as the coach because they totally understand what you're going through. Because it's not like uh, Antonio Pierce who just came off the field last year. It's been a few years, but he's still young enough to be able to relate to some of the guys in the locker room and just knows what they're going through, knows the environment. I mean, heck, he just put a basketball hoop, like, in the locker room, like, just for them to, like, relax and kind of take a load off and not feel so much pressure and actually be able to have fun. So, I love that for the Raiders, especially because it's just a team that has had so much drama over the past, it feels like a decade. Like the John Gruden stuff, the Henry Ruggs stuff, the poor draft picks, trading for Devontae Adams. Hey, this is going to work out. Benching Derek Carr. Like just so many different things just have not worked out in their favor. And so I'm excited to see how it goes. I mean, they're two and I mean they're three and five now. I don't think they make the playoffs or anything, but I hope that with Antonio Pierce there, it makes them at least a little bit competitive and fun to watch. Yeah, I think I I forget. I, don't they play the Giants this week? They got the Giants this week, so he gets to play his former team. I would not be surprised if they destroy the Giants this week. Yeah, I yeah. I'll, I'll save my pick, but, yeah, I, I, I see that. Um, oh, and, I mean, also, he came out the gate and said, yeah, Jimmy G is benched. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I'm sure there's a few people, Devontae Adams, namely, who's like, okay, I'm good with that. I like this brother already because if you watch that Monday night game, yeah. It's... It will, it will... It was something I I saw on Instagram and I forgot to send it to you, but it was like one of, you know those like fake sports page like Instagrams where they like make fake quotes and all of this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was like they basically it says from with this alone, Kyle Shanahan should be a, a Hall of Fame head coach because he was able to hide how bad Jimmy G was for all those years in San Francisco. And I and I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, I mean, everybody was really drinking the Kool Aid on Mr. Garoppolo. But I mean, I'm ex- I'm very interested to see how this weekend goes for the Raiders. Um, but that begs the question: the NFL trade deadline was Tuesday. I mean, Hunter Renfro was a guy that we thought could possibly be traded. Josh Jacobs' name was brought up because they hadn't got a deal done. Devontae Adams is another one. No, I have I can't sit here and act like I don't believe that. Josh McDaniels and uh, Dave Ziegler, the GM, didn't have an inkling that they were going to be fired. And so knowing that they were going to get rid of so many people in the front office, do you think they should have blown it up at the trade deadline? Uh, I'm going to say yes, because if they they knew that they weren't going to make any moves at the trade deadline, they should have went ahead and blew it up. I I think they should have just because I mean still just at the very least Hunter Renfro because they haven't used him and Devontae Adams because it's like hey I'm happy that you feel better but this team's still not going nowhere like free this man let him go somewhere else and compete but I mean again I'm excited to see how it all shakes out for the Raiders obviously not a playoff run in sight but hopefully they'll at least have more fun all right, let's go ahead and look at some signings uh, before we get to grade and trades. Nothing too, too crazy. Saints sign uh, veteran linebacker Corey Littleton to their practice squad as the uh, Las Vegas Raiders sign 
Jalen Smith onto their practice squad. Bill signed my man Leonard Fournette, running back, a.k.a. Playoff Lenny, uh, to their practice squad. He'll probably be activated soon due to the injury of Damian Harris. And the Packers extend defensive end Rashawn Gary. They sign him to a four-year, $96 million contract um, extension with 107.5 mil overall. Gets a $34 million signing bonus. Time and time again, I'm reminded I chose the wrong profession. But all right, let's go ahead and talk some NFL trades and give out grades, starting off with the Minnesota Vikings trading for quarterback Josh Jobs in exchange for a fifth and sixth round pick. I'll give it a C. I, I give it a B minus because Josh Jobs actually wasn't playing half bad for Arizona. And he's not starting this week, but I think that looking at the weapons that they have in TJ Hawkinson or uh, Jordan Addison, KJ Osborne, the run game, if they can get it together, I think the Vikings at the very least can be competitive. So I give it a B minus. Speaking of the NFC North, uh, the Detroit Lions acquired former Michigan wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones from the Browns in exchange for a six-round pick. Uh, I'll give it a B. I think he could be a good complimentary receiver to Amon Rossite Brown. Yeah, I gave it a C. I mean, he's what I think D. I think DPJ is like six four. He's a, on the bigger side. Had a really really quiet year so far this year before being relatively competitive and over the last couple of years. So it'll be interesting to see where he fits into the lineup. I mean, Amon Ra is clearly going to be their number one. Jamison Williams, they're hoping is their number two. But I think that third wide receiver spot is open, and I think that he has a chance to take it. Uh, moving over to the AFC South, the Jacksonville Jaguars trade for Vikings guard Ezra Cleveland. He's more than likely going to take over that left guard spot um, after their bye week in week 10. I give it an A because I wish the Titans would have made this move. Yeah, I think it's a really good move. I'm going to give it a B plus just because I don't know the severity of his foot injury. I know it's kept him out the last couple of games, but I mean – Considering how good the Jaguars can be, their offensive line has been a massive liability. So getting somebody to help shore up that position or at least one of those spots is a really big deal. All right, let's go ahead and move over to the defensive side of the ball. The Green Bay Packers trade cornerback Rasul Douglas to the Bills in exchange for a third-round pick, and they'll also be getting back a fifth. I'll give this a B-plus. I I gave it a B. I agree. I think that with Tredavious White on IR, they just put Kyer Elam on IR, a guy who I really thought was going to get traded. The Vikings, I mean not Vikings, the Bills secondary definitely needed some juice. And while Rasul Douglas isn't a household name or anything, he's a really solid player, and I think he does provide an upgrade for Buffalo. All right, next up, the Seattle Seahawks traded for defensive lineman Leonard Williams while sending the Giants a 2024 second-round pick and a 2025 fifth-round pick. I give this a, I give this a A. Yeah, I give it an A minus. I mean, I think that the when you look at the Seahawks defense on paper, you would think they'd be really, really great, especially up front. They haven't had as much pass rush as they would have hoped, especially up the middle. But I think Leonard Williams could change that. Now, if you want to have an off game this weekend, you know, I'm not gonna complain. But I do like this move for them a lot. All right, the Washington Commanders traded two star young defensive ends, starting off with Montez Sweat, who they traded to the uh, Chicago Bears for a second-round pick. 
I'll give this a B. I'll give it an A if he signs an extension. If he doesn't sign an extension, this is just for the next few games, I'm giving it a C because that would be stupid. Like, come on. Y'all do need a pass rush, 100%, but y'all are not a team that's like, well, we're one piece away from competing. You need several, so hopefully they can lock him down. And then last but certainly not least, probably one of the more surprising moves, the San Francisco 49ers acquiring Chase Young for a third-round pick. Ace. Yeah, definitely an A for me because, again, like I told you, nobody else could have gave a three, a higher third-round pick. Nobody else could have gave a two. Shit, if it was that easy, you would have thought somebody else would have done it. But, all right, let's go ahead and move on to our game of believable or buffoonery. And we are going to actually start off with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, right this week they have a bye. However, we kind of talked about their loss to the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. It was not exactly a great game, especially because it now marks their third straight loss. And now it's having people beg the question of, do the 49ers have a Brock Purdy problem? Um, through weeks one through five, he hasn't thrown any interceptions. However, in their three losses, Purdy has thrown five picks. Um, a guy you know well, Taylor Lewan, former tackle for the Tennessee Titans, said in a recent interview, a reliable source told me back in January, Brock Purdy is not the guy. So, believable or buffoonery, the 49ers have a Brock Purdy issue. Uh, this is tough because this also makes me think back to the whole Jimmy G of it all. I'm going to say, I'm going to say yes, because I think Kyle Shanahan is really good at maximizing the potential of the quarterbacks that he has. And they also have, like, from a skill position standpoint, they have, like, almost an all-star team group of skill position players. When you think about Devo, um, Christian McCaffrey, and George Kittle, and Brandon Ayuk isn't a slouch himself. And so, part of it is, we've seen that Debo's been out. So, I think that's been a part of why he hasn't been nearly as good. Yeah, it's tough, because obviously the interceptions have been bad. Like, the picks in the Bengals game, especially that last one, was terrible, because he had just gotten bailed out on one because of a penalty, and then, like, a couple plays later, he threw a pick. The Vikings game, the pick ended the game. Like, it's it's tough. But, I mean, I think that every quarterback kind of goes through those stretches where it's not going great. And, I mean, right now they're still, what, 5-3. and three. They're second in the NFC West, and I still think they're going to end up winning the division. I think they're going to be fine. But I'll say this. If the problem continues, I'll think it's believable. But for right now, I'm going to give Brock a little bit of a pass. But uh, keeping things with California-based quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, it seems like I don't know what he's been taking or what he's done to recover from his torn Achilles, but it seems like he is always around and on the road to recovery, so much so that Dominique Foxworth recently said, I think Aaron Rodgers attempting to do the impossible can be inspiring to his team. There is some psychic benefit to the team having this around this guy around the sideline. Also, Woody Johnson, the owner of the Jets, says he expects to see Aaron Rodgers back on the field at some point of this season. Do you think that is believable or buffoonery? Look, all I'm going to say is 
just I don't know what Sensu Bean's um, health patch that Aaron Rodgers has been taking, but the fact that this man is like walking around and throwing at this point after tearing his Achilles, I have to say it's believable. I was talking about this at work. I could see it happening, but I think it's going to be one of those things where as soon as he gets hit, his Achilles is going to be beyond repair. Because my thinking is, if it's this fast to return from Achilles, why has nobody else done it? And so I either he's thugging it out and he's faking it, or maybe he does have something that's kind of expediting the process, but once he actually plays a game, it's going to be ugly. So I, I hope he doesn't try to rush a comeback because I, I genuinely do not think it's worth it. All right, a couple more things before we make our game picks. Um, another quarterback, Tom Brady, recently talked about in the NFL, talking about in an interview about the next quote-unquote Tom Brady and got pretty candid and said, I was able to do it every single year for basically every single game. Most of the time, I never put our team in a position to lose, and there are very few guys like that. So, believable or buffoonery, we will never see another quote-unquote Tom Brady. Believable. Yeah, I'm going to say believable as well. Like, I think there are guys who are great and very good at what they do, but to consistently be a winner and do so with, looking back, maybe not the best arsenal of weapons, yeah, I don't don't think it's going to happen. All right, last one. This isn't exactly a believable or buffoonery. It's just, I guess, more opinion-based. And it's talking about wide receivers. Now, this past month, A.J. Brown wideout for the Eagles was named. The NFC Offensive Player of the Month, while in the AFC, wide receiver Tyreek Hill was named the AFC's Offensive Player of the Month. Uh, Dan Orlowski on Get Up said, A.J. Brown and Tyreek Hill are competing right now for the best wide receiver in football. And so, in your opinion, who is the best wideout in the league right now? A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, or somebody else entirely? Um, I still, it's tough because A.J. Brown and Tyreek Hill are having, like, history-breaking, like, levels of production. I still will throw my head in the J.J. out of school, though. I feel that. Um, yeah, I think a healthy Jay Jettas, like, before he got hurt, he was playing amazing. I don't think that would have changed. But between these two, I would slide A.J. Brown just because I think he has a better arsenal than Tyreek Hill does. And I feel like if you can double-team Tyreek Hill, you can get some safety help over the top. You can kind of keep him in check. Whereas A.J. Brown, it it doesn't matter. He may not beat you with his speed, but he has he's a solid route runner. He's bigger than most of the guys he's going up against. He can win those 50-50 balls. So between the two. Give me AJ Brown. Yeah, because I was gonna say if you if between the two, if you ask me to pick between the two, I'm I mean I'm a Titans fan. Like I'm gonna be honest, I hate that he was gone. I'm picking AJ Brown because yeah. like, dude is like, in my opinion, dude is like Anquan Bolden on steroids. I'd agree with that, and I love me some Anquan Bolden, but I think that. As good as Anquan was, I think that I think AJ Brown provides a little bit more 
oomph. Like, I think he has more, he's a little bit more talented than Anquan Bolden is. I think that's the best way to put it. Still no disrespect, because Anquan Bolden, one of the best receivers to ever put on a Ravens jersey. We'll always love him. We got a Super Bowl together. But, all right, let's go ahead and make some game picks. Talking about getting Super Bowls together this Sunday uh, the NFL kicks off its games in Germany. We have the Miami Dolphins hosted by the Kansas City Chiefs. Still kind of salty. This game is not taking place in Kansas City. Re- uh, revenge game for Tyreek Hill. But I think that even though he might have a good game, I got Chiefs pulling it out. I got Dolphins. Los Angeles Rams versus the Green Bay Packers. I don't trust the Packers offense to do anything. I got Rams. Uh... I got, yeah, I got Rams. Washington Commanders versus the New England Patriots. This is very tough, but I'm going to give the edge to the Commanders because I think they have more offensive firepower. Yeah, I got Commanders. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Houston Texans. Another tough one. I'm going Bucks, though. I'm going Bucks as well. Cleveland Browns versus the Arizona Cardinals. You know what? I don't even care. I'm not picking a team that has the Predators starting or allegedly starting, so I'm going Cardinals. I'll take I'll take the lost point on this one. Yeah, forget the Browns. I'm going uh, Cardinals as well. New Orleans Saints hosting the Chicago Bears. I got Saints by double digits. I got Saints as well. Baltimore Ravens have a good one on tap. They host the Seattle Seahawks. I got Ravens in a close one. What time is that game? That game is at one o'clock. Freak. Okay, I I got Ravens and I. I want to watch it, but I'm not going to be able to. Hopefully you can keep up with the uh, highlights. Um, I'll actually be able to watch this game in peace because the Colts don't play till four. Um, What's it called? Minnesota Vikings versus the Atlanta Falcons. As much as I want to pick the Vikings, I'm, I'm going to go Falcons just because I'm not sure about Jaron Hall. Yeah. And I also think, like, the Falcons just got lit up by a rookie last week. So, this, this probably left a bad taste in their mouth. So, they probably put the tee off on, on this guy. That's going to be much harder to do without Grady Jarrett. Um, Indianapolis Colts uh, heading to Carolina to face the Panthers. Frank Wright getting the face off against his former team. Who you got? I think I got Colts. Uh, New York Giants versus the Las Vegas Raiders. This is tough. Oh, it's so hard because the Giants' offense is bad, but the Raiders' defense outside of Max Crosby is bad. The Giants' offense is cool, and the Raiders' offense is cool when they want to be. I think I'm going to go Giants, but I'm I'm not confident in that decision. I'm going Raiders simply because I I don't think the Giants will be able to stop Matt Crosby. Yeah, they're going to need to, like, triple team that man. Um, Next up, we got a good one. Dallas Cowboys versus the Philadelphia Eagles. They split the series last year. I'm going Eagles to kick off the first game of the series this year. Is the game in Philly? Yes, it is. I'm going I'm going Eagles. Yes, at 425. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals hosting the Buffalo Bills Sunday Night Football. Got some solid games this week. Honestly, I was going to pick the Bengals anyway, 
but how bad collectively the Bills' offense has looked and how depleted their defense has been, Bengals should win this by at least a touchdown. Emphasis on should. Yeah, I'm going to go Bengals too. All right, and then next up, the Chicago, the Los Angeles Chargers get back-to-back primetime games. They head to New York to face the Jets Monday Night Football. I got Chargers. I got Chargers. All right, before we move on to the NBA, let's talk the offensive, defensive, and rookie players we are watching this week. Offensively, I'm watching Tony Pollard. I know there's going to be a lot of eyes on Dak Prescott, rightfully so. He's the quarterback coming off a four-touchdown game. That's fair. But let's be honest, this Eagles team is not going to let Dak pick them apart. And so a big way that they can help him out is to get Tony Pollard the ball, allow him to kind of get himself going, get some big runs down this field, especially because the Eagles' run defense has not been all that great this year. So I think Tony Pollard is going to have a big game if the Cowboys want to come out on top. Uh, For me, offensively, I'm looking at your boy Joe Shiesty because primetime game against Josh Allen, um, it's been a lot of smack talk. And I personally think that he's a better quarterback than Josh Allen. Hundred percent. And I want to, and I want to see him perform like it. I ain't, all I'm gonna say is the last few times they played. Yeah. Uh, defensively, I'm watching Odafe Owe. This is under the assumption that he is going to be playing. Because when he played, he has been a force. He's created a lot of pressures. He's made life very, very hard for opposing left tackles. And, I mean, I think he could do the same against the Seattle Seahawks offensive line. They have not exactly been great. This could be a big game for him, kind of a breakout of sorts, especially because he needs one with his third year being in the NFL. And if he can wreak havoc, cause some problems for Geno Smith, that's going to open things up for the rest of the Baltimore's defense. Uh, for me, defensively, I'm looking at the Eagles' entire front seven. Like you mentioned, they're going to everyone's going to focus in on Dak, but we both know that the key to the Cowboys' offense is getting the run game going. How and they haven't been good, like you stated. So are they going to be able to slow Tony Pollard down to then get in those pass rush situations and like put Dak in on bad um, field position? Yeah, that's going to be a big one. Um, Rookie I'm watching, I've said his name like 10 times now, Jaron Hall. He's got weapons around him, but I just, I'm just i interested to see how he performs against a Falcons defense, which you made a great point, is going to have a point to prove after Will Levis cooked him. Uh, for me, Rookie, I'm going to say Devin Willisman because he going up against y'all. I'm pretty sure they're going to have him matched up against Zay Flowers a lot, and I just want to see that matchup. Yeah, it's going to be a great game. Well, actually, that's a lot. I don't want it to be a great game. If it wants to be like the Lions game, sign me up. All right, last thing. Uh, what team are we calling out? Obviously, I'm calling out Baltimore. I want to be 7-2. I'm feeling very good about what we've done on defense. This is going to be a big defensive test. DK Metcalf is the man. Tyler Lockett, in my opinion, is the most underrated running back in the – I mean, wide receiver in the league. Kenneth Walker is great. It's going to be tough. It's not going to be like the Lions offense. They got some legitimate stars in Seattle. It's going to we got our work cut out for us. I am calling out the Miami Dolphins. Um, me personally, I don't really have much against the Chiefs. But for whatever reason, I do want Tyree Hill to get a W against them just to prove that, like, and he's done it already. Well, like, I just want him to prove that he's not a byproduct of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, everybody named Mama know my feelings on Tyreek Hill. I don't really have to say too much on that. But, um, yeah. 
taking away personal feelings, he should have an insane game. Like, he should go crazy. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the NBA. Let's talk our Mambas of the Week. Out of the Eastern Conference, this was kind of tough. Actually, not really. Uh, Western Mamba is definitely tougher. My Eastern Mamba of the Week is Joel Embiid. My Eastern Mamba of the Week is actually his teammate, Tyrese Maxey. Another baller who is going to go crazy this season if he can stay healthy. Western Mamba of the Week, this was this was tough because Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, both of them had amazing weeks, but I'm going to give the slight edge to Jokic. I'm going to go Jokic as well. And then Rookie Mamba, Wimby, obviously. Yeah. I don't think, yeah. All right, let's talk our top three takeaways of the week. Luca, you may not have been my Western Mamba, but you did get a spot on my takeaways. Um, Luca is doing that thing again where he has those stretches where he just goes crazy and makes people legitimately wonder if he's the best player in the NBA. Obviously, neither of us would say he is, but the way he's been playing this past week, it makes you think, man, I know why. this. I understand why the Mavericks and Mark Cuban are just so in love with him because he is a baller, even if he don't play defense. Um, my third takeaway is the Oklahoma City Thunder are showing the gentle and highs of being a young, talented team. Early in the season, first game of the season, they beat the Bulls convincingly, forcing the Bulls to have a players-only meeting. After one game. <laughs> game one of the season. And then you look back to, I believe it was this Wednesday. Yes, this Wednesday against the Pelicans where they had a 20-point lead and they lost by, like, I think, like, 7 or 10. And no one's doubting how talented they are because they're supremely talented. But when you have a young team that's trying to figure out how to be a consistent team, you're going to get these moments in the season, and it's already started early for them. Uh, My number two, speaking of a young team, it has something to do with the Detroit Pistons, and it's about Kay Cunningham. Kay Cunningham, his season got cut short last year, but since this season has started, it feels like he has not missed a step. 22 uh, against the Pelicans last night, 30 against the Trailblazers the night before, um, had 17 and 5 against OKC. I mean, he's really starting to show some of those flashes that he did as a rookie, and I'm excited to see how he builds upon it. And, I mean, quietly, he's been tearing it up. I know the Pistons are bad, but he has not been the problem. Yeah. Um, my number two is that the Phoenix Suns, they, if they aren't able to stay healthy this full, like at least I'll say 60 plus games of the season, like the big three, this is going to be a really big letdown of a season for them because you saw they won a tough game against the Spurs. Then you look up yesterday, I watched the end of the game, and it was like they did everything to come back, and then they just lost it in the end. And I think some of that has to do with, like, this was Devin Booker's first game back from since the first game of the season, and you're still trying to figure out, like, roles and things are getting shifted, so you're not able to play with a, hip, a full roster. Yeah, it's... It's going to be rough because, I mean, they made deft moves 
over the offseason, but it's clearly not enough. And you can't ask KD at one time or Devin Booker at one time, Bradley Beal, to have to do everything. We've seen it does not work. Um, and then number one for me, it's only a week into the season. Everybody chill out. There are still over 70-plus games that need to be played. And so for the Wimbies, Wimby is playing amazing. Not taking anything away from him. But let's chill before we try to call him the GOAT. The Grizzlies, I know it is tough right now being 0-5. I am shocked that they are 0-5, but it's still, what, 77 more games to be played. Chill. The Mavericks are undefeated right now. Chill. They're not going to stay undefeated. I just think it's one thing to, like, look at games critically and, like, recognize when things are going well and when things are going right. But let's not try to anoint a champion after a week, let's not say, oh, this team needs to blow it up after a week. Like, everybody just, just calm down. It's a very, very, very long season. I mean, you kind of touched on one of my touch points. I was going to say, for Grizzlies fans, okay, we're 0 5, so what? Yeah. Like, like it's the beginning, it's the 82 game season. We don't have our best player. We don't have two, we don't have. A, one of the top five top players in our rotation is Steven Adams. Santi Aldama's been out. Luke Kennard was out with a concussion. Even when he was playing, he's only made like one three so far this whole season. Like, it's it's a long season. Yeah. If we if we if we end this twenty five game suspension from Ja like ten and fifteen or eight and whatever, I'm perfectly fine with that. Everybody's like, just chill. It's a very long season. Tranquilo. Relax. Um, but speaking of your Grizzlies, looking at some roster moves, they signed veteran center Bismarck Biombo to the team, providing some bodies in the post, which is obviously needed, especially with Steven Adams out. No timetable on Brandon Clark's return. So it's a solid move from them. And then obviously this week was all about NFL trades, but you know the NBA had to get in on, on the action. And finally, after a months-long saga – Justin, I mean, not Justin, James Harden has finally been traded away to the Philadelphia 76ers. He got his wish of being traded to the Clippers. And in exchange, the Clippers sent away Marcus Morris, Nick Batum, Robert Covington, K.J. Martin, multiple draft picks and a pick swap for James Harden, P.J. Tucker, and uh, Philip Petrusov. I think they traded uh, Philip to the uh, Kings, like, right after for some cash. But um, let's go ahead and talk about it. Starting things off, do you feel like this move in acquiring James Harden strengthens the Clippers' title hopes? Uh, no. I mean, because in my opinion, what the strongest case for the Clippers' title hopes is are, is hinged upon Kawhi Leonard and Paul George's health throughout the course of the season. Yeah, like. If you would have told, if you were to tell me, hey, you get a healthy PG and Paul George for the whole season and the playoffs, that's when I'd be like, okay, I'll take them as a serious title contender. Not adding James Harden because, like, in my opinion, the Clippers didn't need James Harden. No, like they, they had, they, they finally. Were able to, they're finally were able to unlock Russ and get Russ back to looking like the Russ of old. Yes, he's not averaging like 20, 10, and 10, but he's just 
he's just making plays and looking like the Westbrook of old in a kind of more condensed role. You have Terrence Mann, who's a good role player. You have PG, who's been phenomenal so far to start the season. You have Kawhi, who's been really good. And, like, you have a solid roster. So, like, I'm going to say I don't think he makes them look better because I just don't know what the health of PG and Paul George is going to look PG and Kawhi Leonard is going to look like for the rest of this season. Yeah, I would agree with that because at the end of the day, it, the Clippers go as those two go. I mean, we've seen it before. Kawhi Leonard is a multi-time NBA champion, one of the best players in the league when he is healthy. Paul George, one of the best players in the league when he is healthy. The issue is those two cannot seem to be healthy, especially when it matters the most in the playoffs. And so when you look at getting James Harden, and I've, talked, I've told you this and I've told other people this, James, it'd be one thing if James Harden was one of those guys who coast in the regular season, but in the playoffs, they show up. Like, not to say Jimmy Butler coast in the regular season, but Jimmy Butler is at his best in the postseason. James Harden is not that guy. James Harden plays significantly worse in the postseason as opposed to when he plays in the regular season, if at all he is playing. And so let's say it's another situation of PG and or Kawhi Leonard being hurt. You think James Harden is going to lead you to a series win? You think James Harden is going to keep you alive enough to get you wins and maybe even to an NBA championship? Absolutely not. And this isn't even a total knock on James Harden just because he's just not that guy anymore. Like when he said, I'm not a system player, I'm a system bro. No, you're not. You haven't been a system, quote unquote, in almost five years. The days of you being a focal point are gone. And so I think it's just a matter of time before he's he's complaining and whining and moaning because at best he's their third best offensive option. Uh, I'm going to be real with you. The way Westbrook was looking. It's okay. I'm yeah, like, fourth. I, 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 I think we'll take Westbrook over James Harden. I would agree. I think James Harden provides you more. Even if he's not scoring – I think defensively he's better. He's better at distributing the ball. Like, I just think the energy that he brings to the court, like the intangible things, it matters. So, you know what? Yeah, there I go. Try to be nice to James Harden. But I just, I don't think that this moves the needle for them at all. If anything, it might set them back because losing the players that they did, now that's a hit at your depth. And Terrence Mann, I mean, not saying you already had, you already had James Harden at home. But low-key, you had somebody who was doing the same things James Harden is doing at this point of their career, who is significantly cheaper and younger and hungrier. But all right, let's turn things to the 76ers perspective. No longer have to deal with James Harden. That's all over. We talked about what they got in exchange for him. How do you think that not having James Harden around, what do you think this does for their title hopes? Do you think that they're better collectively with the moves they made, still got some questions? Where do you think they stand after all this? I think this made them significantly better because I I, I just think it was an addition by subtraction because now you're able to put the ball in Tyrese Maxey's hands alongside Joel Embiid, and you can see what you have. And so far, he's been... He's been really productive. Like, I think right now he's averaging 30 points a game. I know he, at one point during the early season, he was shooting like 50% from three. That'll obviously drop 
But, like, he's been really productive. And I think a bigger piece of it is, is, like, you can see what you have in him. And now, if you look up and he gets closer to the trade deadline and you see, like, okay, what do we need? You now have the draft capital to draft, to trade for whatever. I draft capital, trade capital to trade for whatever you need. Like, if you say, like, hey, we need a backup big for Joel and B, you have trade capital. If you look up and say, hey, we probably do need to try to make a move for another all-star level talent, you have trade capital. Like, I think, like, I think regardless, they're the third best team in the East, but they have, like, they have wiggle room because you, you're able to bring you right now currently you're able to have a young guy paired next to an MVP that's being productive. And if push comes to shove, you can get another productive all-star level player or you can get dealt this needed for when the playoffs get here. So I think, the, like, I really do think Philly did, like, outside of trading for an all-star for James Harden, I think they did the next best thing. Yeah, I would agree with that. And then did so saving money. In doing so, and these, like you mentioned, like off the air, like these are all guys with expiring contracts. It's not like you have to make these long term commitments to them. Just see how it works out. If it don't work out, move on. If it does, great. And then just see what you got. Um, but all right, let's talk some injury news. Uh, first with the Portland Trailblazers, Anthony Simons is going to be out for the next three to five weeks after tearing his UCL in his right thumb. Lakers will be without backup guard Gabe Vincent for the next two weeks with a knee effusion. Let's talk a game of believable or buffoonery, and we're going to start off in Sacramento and talk about De'Aaron Fox, who future Hall of Fame point guard Derek Fisher said, this guy is creeping into the top 10, top 15 players in the league. I know neither of us think he's top 10, but what about top 15? Is that believable or buffoonery? I think it's believable. I mean, because I'm trying to think. Like, from a point guard standpoint, it's maybe three other point guards that I would take ahead of him. Steph. Steph, Dane, Ja, and Ja. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And, and I forgot, Luca technically plays point guard, so you could throw Luca. Luca plays a little bit of everything. And you also, Shay plays point guard, but like. Okay, well, that's I fine did, then. But. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I would say this like, he is making an argument for at least, at minimum, being like top 20. For sure. For sure. I mean, just based off how well he played last year and the way that he he's kind of gotten to start off to this season, I don't know if I would say top fifteen yet, but ask me in a couple of months, and I I think I would I think I'd agree with you, especially if he can continue that level of play. Uh, speaking of continuing a high level of play, Zion Williamson coming into the season, he's healthy, he can finally focus on ball. And hopefully it stays that way. Uh, Monica McNutt recently on uh, Get Up said, if he plays 70 games, yes, I think Zion Williamson will be an MVP candidate. You and I last season talked about how well he was playing before he went down. And, I mean, while it's not as, quote-unquote, dominant dominant as it's been, it's still really, really good. So, believable or buffoonery, if Zion plays 70 more games, he will be a legit MVP candidate. Mm. 
I'm going to say no because I don't think he'll have the team success. I would agree with that. I would agree with that because, I mean, I think that's something that's been holding back Luka. Like, if Luka continues to play he the way he is, but they're another, like, maybe seven to ten seed in the West, it's not going to matter. So, yeah, I'll say believable on that as well. All right, a couple more things before we make our game picks for tonight. Kevin Durant is always down for a Twitter argument, and his latest one revolved around Chris Paul, to which he tweeted out, Chris Paul is arguably the best point guard of this generation. I said arguably, we can argue. I think it's pretty safe to say the best point guard of this generation is Steph Curry, but is it believable or buffoonery that Chris Paul is the second best point guard of this generation? I think it's believable. I think so, too. I know he may not have, like, the individual accolades of, like, a Russ. He may not have, like, the splash highlight moments of a Dame. But in terms of consistency, I don't know if there's been as consistent a player for as long as they've been consistent than Chris Paul, obviously excluding LeBron James. So I think it's believable. I'd really have to think about it if I would – solidify him as two but I think he has a strong case for it and then last yeah. but and then last but not least today is the first day for the in season tournament group play I'm not gonna lie to y'all I still think it's stupid but I think that uh Pacers point guard Tyrese Halliburton made an interesting point he recently when asked about the in season tournament he had this to say I think the greatest incentive for everybody to do it would be an automatic playoff bid. If it was a playoff spot, I think everyone would take it very, very seriously, right? I think the older teams would take it serious because one of my biggest gripes with the in, uh, season tournament is for teams trying to compete for an NBA championship, this ain't doing nothing for them. And so let's say this would, this tournament equated to an automatic playoff bid. Believable or buffoonery, that would make the in season tournament more important. A hundred percent. Because, I mean, if you think about it from this standpoint, when the NBA implemented the uh, play-in tournament a couple years ago, that's what made the whole season way more competitive because teams were like, hey, if we get to, like, the last couple of weeks, if we try to compete for real instead of, like, taking this time where you teams would normally tank, like, if we win, like, say we win, like, three games and we can at least fight for a chance in the playoffs, we'll take that. So, if you say, like, hey, this in-season tournament is like, hey, you get a chance of a guaranteed spot in the playoffs. Or, depend, I say this, depending on your record, you get a guaranteed spot. If, like, you're already a playing team and you win it, it kind of defeats the purpose. Unless you get to like you get a higher seating than you were stated, and that's something that can be talked about for a whole another day. But like, let's take a team like the Pacers for a chance. If you tell me you win the play-in tournament, you either get an automatic spot in the play-in or not play-in in-season tournament. You get an automatic spot in the play-in or automatic play-in berth. I'm, I'm almost certain that people will play a lot harder than they would if, they, if it wasn't the case. Hundred percent. Yeah, because right now, I think, like, the incentive is, like, what, half a million dollars individually, a million dollars individually? 
Like, to everyday people, that's a lot of money. But if I just signed a $40 million contract, what difference is this going to make? I I still, I just, I know I sound like a party pooper or whatever, but, like, I just, I still don't really think it's, I think it's kind of pointless because you're not really getting anything out of it, if even if you win. But, yeah. but who knows? I mean, stranger things have happened. Um, hopefully they will make some tweaks, but we'll see how it shakes out. Uh, but like I said, today is the first day of the game. Starting off with the Cleveland Cavaliers versus the Indiana Pacers. I know the Cavs have lost a couple tough ones to the Knicks. I think they get back on track, beat the Pacers. Me too. New York Knicks versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Bucks, another team that have been going through it. Now, I know I said, like, chill on, like, it's only one weekend of the season, but I think last season their defensive efficiency rating was, like, fourth in the league. And so far this season, they're 29th. That's that's kind of wild. I think they I'm win, the, but that's talking about the books. Yeah, I mean it's not that wild to me because you you literally just traded for Dane, so like he's still probably trying to figure out defensive coverages, all of that. You also lost Drew Holiday, who is one of the better perimeter defenders in the NBA. So, like, this is not as wild, especially to start out the season. It would be different if you, in my opinion, if they were, if it was this case, like, going into the playoffs after they've had, like, basically a full season of playing together. But, like, right now it's like, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll say it feels so wild because a drop-off is okay. But from going to fourth to the second to worst defense – that's that's pretty bad, especially. I don't think the worst defense. No I second. Think, no, I, I just mean. Oh, okay. oh no no no! Like statistically, based off defensive yeah. efficiency, they're 29th out of 30 teams. Yeah. So in that retrospect, like, hey, I don't think they have the worst defense by far. But I'm saying, considering even with yes, it's gonna take time for Dame to get adjusted. You lose Drew Holiday, but I mean, Bobby Portis is strong defensively. Brooke Lopez was literally in the conversation for Demon Defensive Player of the Year. Giannis is Giannis. I'm just surprised that it's that low. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Golden State Warriors versus the Oklahoma City Thunder. Young versus old. I got the old heads. I got Warriors. Yeah, I got Warriors too. Washington Wizards versus the Miami Heat. Another team who people need to chill out on because the Heat, calm down. They they never start the regular season high. They're fine. They're much better down the stretch, and I think they're gonna win tonight. Yeah, cause I'm gonna be real with you. This this Washington Wizards team is like the biggest joke in sports. I'm waiting for Jordan Poole to be top five in scoring though. Yeah. I'm just that that's the only thing they have really held their head on, cause they're not gonna win anything. Like it it it's bad. It's very bad. But they. They've managed to win a game. So, you know, that's more than some teams can say. Um, Brooklyn Nets versus the Chicago Bulls. I'm going to go. Cam Johnson's not playing, I don't think. I'm still going Nets. Yeah, me too. Memphis Grizzlies going up against the Portland Trailblazers. I got Grizzlies getting their first win of the season. I do as well. And then last but not least, we got the Dallas Mavericks versus the Denver Nuggets. Both teams having great starts to their seasons. I'm going Nuggets, though. 
Nuggets. All right, that is our show. Again, thank y'all so much for listening. Please be sure to check out theexport.net. I repeat, theexport.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Free episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Ethan, anything you want to say before we get up out of here? Um, go Grizz, go Tigers, go Titans, even though we already took an L for the week. Um, also, because I haven't had a chance to listen, do you mind informing me on the Randy Goat, like, the the thought process? Because I might, I might kind of agree with you, but I just got to see your argument. Bet, bet, I can do it after the show because um, I don't want to rehash the same argument for that I did on while I'm recording. Um, For me, go Tigers, go. Go Memphis. I think we play South. Who do we play this week? South Alabama? Because we just played North Texas. It is. Hold on. I should know this because I definitely looked at the games. It is South Florida. South Florida. Let's get a dub. It's on ESPN Plus that I do not have no more. But Memphis is going to win, so it's going to be fine. LSU is the biggest game of the season. We've going to Alabama. Let's kick some Crimson Tide butt. Or just win. I don't care. Just please just win because I just don't want to hear Bama fans' mouth. Go Tigers. Um, Baltimore, let's handle business. Please continue to support my work with the Colts. Greatly appreciate it if you do. Um, and if you don't, that's fine too. Uh, and then, yeah, wrestling fans, again, if you haven't checked out the Crown Jewel predictions, please do check that out. Again, Crown Jewel, we talk about who we think the most underrated wrestler of all time. Like Ethan just said, me saying Randy Orton is more of a goat than Johnny Boy Cena. You can hear that full argument. Got a lot of dope content for y'all. Thank y'all for continuing to tune in, and we will see you all next time.